and she was speaking on being called for a purpose. And so my focus today is on uh, just a little bit of that, and it's our positioning in the body of Christ. And the title of my message is Flourishing in the Courts of Our God, um, and that comes from a scripture in Psalm 92, which says that, hold on, let me just find it, Psalm 92... Psalm 92.13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And I, I wanted to start with a scripture that she used last week, and that was 1 Corinthians 12.28, which says, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, which is the body of Christ, just as he pleased. So, you know, it's God. Now, just look at the wording in that. God has set the members in the body as he pleased. So God has thoughtfully and purposely placed each person into the body of Christ where he knows it will be the best place for them. And, uh, you know, when we talk about the church, I, I just want to uh, just, maybe this will be obvious to you, but church isn't the building. Do you know that? <laughs> it's not the building, although we do refer to it as the church. I'm going down to the church so forth. But the church is where we meet. The church is actually us, the people. And for years, Centre Church hired halls and rooms, didn't we? Back as far back as 1985, uh, we, we hired halls, we hired rooms to meet as a congregation or as a church. Um, and we'd also sometimes meet in people's homes as well. But despite not having a church building at that time, we were still a church. So the church is actually a body of believers, a congregation of believers. And there is a Greek word, ekklesia, that means that exact thing. It's a body of believers, a, a congregation. So we are the church, and we are part of the body of Christ, what is termed the body of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 12, 27 does confirm that as well. It says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So we're individual members of the body of Christ. And in regards to church sizes, there's all sorts of sizes. You can get mega churches, large churches, medium churches, small churches. They're all of different sizes. Mega is kind of generally thought to be 2,000 people or more. Um, and down to small churches, which are 50 or less, um, but there are advantages and disadvantages of all of them. And I'll just, because I've been, I've been part of all types in, throughout my life when I've lived in various parts um, of New Zealand and overseas. So for a large church, it's really easy to, to come and go quickly without being noticed. Um, and because of the sheer size, there's plenty of people to... Um, volunteer to help and so there's usually a good kids ministry a really good youth ministry and so forth um, great band and all that kind of thing and there's sometimes multiple services to choose from as well but as a negative sometimes it can be really hard to form relationships with people and connections with people and I'm just I'm just saying that because I've experienced it myself and that in those in the larger churches, it's hard to uh, form connections when you don't join a weekly small group. And in a small church or in a medium-sized church, it's much easier to connect with people and get to know them. Do you agree? Okay. 
So as a negative, sometimes the same uh, aspects of ministry might not be available because there just aren't people available um, to start or be involved in some ministries. And I have experienced, as I said, both of those myself. And I, when I lived in Australia, and this I moved there in beginning of 2008, I think, and went to what would kind of be thought of as a medium-sized church, about 80 people. Um, and it was easy to pe get to know people there. And it was a great church. We shared cuppa after the service, and we got to know people. Um, and, you know, and so... It, that was, that was cool. There weren't as many um, things available uh, because there were less people, uh, which is often the case. They didn't always have lots of helpers for things like youth and children. In fact, I don't actually think they had a youth group at that time. Uh, but later on, uh, after a couple of years, we, I went, I was going, I, I began to go to another church for various reasons. Um, and it was a mega church, and it had a huge amount of people. Um, I would say well over 5,000 people. And it was really easy to come and go without being noticed, which I loved at that start. I thought it was cool. I could just come and go as I pleased. I could go to whatever service I wanted to. And it was great. But then eventually it was like, I can come and go as I pleased. And I still don't know. Because after a while, it was initially great to not know anybody but later it wasn't so great to not know anybody and uh, and so it was I found it really difficult to form the connections there because you'd have to work really hard to do that um, and you needed to be part of a small group and I'm not trying to say that one is better than the other because God has purposes for all sorts of churches uh, and we all every church has a specific assignment I guess you could say to achieve and so um, and so one's not better than the other but there are a lot of a lot of small medium-sized churches larger churches mega churches around not so many mega churches because just because of the sheer size there's not so many um, but, but at that church I remember that if I wanted prayer I had to go on a different day to church larger church if I wanted prayer I'd have to go on a different day to get prayer because it wasn't offered on Sunday and so so that would mean that I'd have to specifically come on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or whatever night it was for prayer and by the if I needed prayer probably by that point I'd be like I can't be bother going you know what I mean <laughs> but uh, you know I'm not I'm not trying to say that was a bad church because I did like it there it was good and here at Centre Church in the really early days, we had, we only had like 20 people or something. Can you remember Pastor Robin? Or something like that, eh? About 20 people? Yep. Uh, yep, back in 1985. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and then we grew. And in the early 2000s, we had weekly church attendance of maybe 300 a week. Was it? Gordon thinks so. We had we had a uh, 250 to 350 people every Sunday, and we had children's ministry, which was large at that time. We had 80 to 100 children, and we also had a youth ministry that had um, that drew in about 150 in the middle of the week as well. Um, and things have progressed, things have changed, 
and we're smaller at the moment, but that doesn't mean that uh, we're not growing. <laughs> and uh, and also the size, you know, like it's we, there's a re, we have we actually are very blessed. Uh, we have a great worship team. We have a thriving cafe. We've got children's ministry running, and we've even got youth ministry running. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> So, you know, different sized churches have different positives and negatives, but when we're choosing a church, we should never base our decision on its size or what it offers because we should be listening to God because he knows where we should be planted, right? Colossians 1.18 says, And he, so that's Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, and so he is the head of the whole body of Christ. That's the whole church, oh, sorry, the, the whole church worldwide. Um, and Ephesians 4, 4 and 5 confirms that there is one body, one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. And so there is one body of Christ, you know. Then Jesus, well, Paul, through Paul, but God, Jesus is the word of God, isn't he? says that in John 1. <laughs> um, Ephesians 4.11 says, and he himself, and so that's talking about Jesus. I'm just going to turn to that scripture. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says, he himself, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now the word pastor in that verse actually means shepherd. So the pastor or shepherd is, if you think of a shepherd, a shepherd is out there looking after the sheep, eh? <laughs> so the word pastor or shepherd, that's the, that means feeder or prote and protector. and Someone the Lord raises up to care for the well-being of Jesus' flock on a smaller scale because you can't just have one pastor. Jesus is the great shepherd and then he sets various pastors in place all around the world. And in Acts 20, wrote, uh, Paul wrote to the elders of the church, that's the church leaders in Ephesus, and he said in, in verse 28, Acts 20, 28, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And so that word flock is in the original Greek is referring to a flock of sheep and it means a body of Christians. So in a Christian context, it means a group of believers. And so it's not talking about the body of Christ as a whole because they were in Ephesus and they had a body of believers in Ephesus. It's specifically referring to a small group of believers, which today we call a congregation or a church or an ecclesia, which is the Greek word. Um, so the word overseer means man, a, a person of God uh, called by God to literally keep an eye on or care for God's flock. And so that word shepherd, as I said, means pastor. And so while Jesus is the great shepherd, he's called some to be pastors or under shepherds to guard and guide his people under his direction, of course, okay? Um, I, I don't want to be saying anything here out of my own intellect or own what I think you need to hear. So whenever I prepare a message, 
um, and anyone else that prepares messages would uh, understand what I'm talking about. We, we listen, we, I want to only say what God's saying. I only want to say what the Holy Spirit's saying. I don't want to be saying stuff because it's, I feel that they need to hear it. You know what I mean? Otherwise, I would say plenty of other things. But I, but I don't because I don't want to be and I want my motivation to be of love, you know? And so, um, yeah, so God's, Jesus has placed pastors, or that another word would be an under-shepherd to guard and guide his people. Um, okay, so verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 12, so 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, and God has appointed these in the church. Again, there's that word again, ecclesia. First prophets, second apostles, sorry, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. So those are the sorts of things you should see in the church. I could feel God's presence this morning. I don't know about you. Could you feel that? Um, I really felt that really strong. And I love it when God's presence is here. And that's what I want all the time. But we've got to make sure we bring our supply. We've got to make sure that we we come with with the right attitude we don't it, yeah it's so important to come to church with the attitude of i want to worship god i want to with my fellow believers that god's placed me with i want to worship my god i want to bring honor to him and yes your needs can be met here yes you can receive healing and that's why we had that prayer time before because we pastor peter and i felt that you know god's presence was here to heal and so good on those ones that came forward for that. Because you've got to snatch those times. When, when, you, when a call is put out and you can feel God's presence and a call is put out for healing, you need to run to the front. Don't be tentative and sit back in your seat. Because those moments you need to seize because that is when God's presence is there in a much more powerful way to heal. And, uh, and I could feel that this morning. So God has set pastors to shepherd the congregation, which God has called specific people to be part of. And within each ecclesia or each congregation, he has gifts and callings for the individual members of that congregation. Something I really like about um, 1 Corinthians 12 is that, uh, I'm just going to put that there, is that the whole thing is about spiritual gifts and, and then it goes, so it starts off talking about spiritual gifts, which I actually want to uh, speak more on in the new year because it's important that we understand and, and start moving in those. But also um, just unity in the body, but that we all have a different part to play. Every single one of us has been, if you're called to send a church, which I think a lot of you are, then... You have, an, you have a unique calling and gift on your life that will complement everything else, all, all the other gifts that everybody has. There's nobody that doesn't have a, something to do, that doesn't have a calling on their life. Everybody has got something unique to give. And thankfully, not everybody's called to be pastor. <laughs> wouldn't that be a bit, that'd be like, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? You know, it says in, it says in um, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, it talks about that exact thing. So we're not all called to be the same thing. Um, 
It says here in verse 14, for in fact the body is not one member but many. Um, and if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body. In other words, because I'm not a pastor, I'm not part of the body. Or because I'm not a youth leader, I'm not part of the, you know, about the body. But we all have a different part to play. And we need every single part. Wouldn't it be terrible if, we, um, if I came up to preach, but there was rubbish all over the floor and the toilets were dirty? Hey, but that would be because not everybody's playing their part, right? And so, um, and so that's why everybody's got different giftings. And I remember quite a few years ago preaching a message about how <laughs> I was very thankful that I wasn't called to work in a cafe because that frightened me terribly. Um, I do remember there was a period of time where we were doing some fundraising, and, and I can't remember what I was doing in church. Maybe it was kids' ministry or something, because I was a children's pastor for a while. Um, but we were in charge of the cafe for like a few weeks, and I remember having to... I remember spending half the night awake because I was so worried about getting making the coffee wrong. And because back then we used to have those coffee pots that had the black coffee, you know, with the percolated coffee. And honestly, it made me not sleep the night before. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was so... And, and if I'm feeling like that, then it probably might not be my calling. <laughs> because I remember saying in that message that I would much rather just be standing up the front to speak. <laughs> and yet for other people, they would freak out with having to do that, you know? And so we all have different giftings. And, you know, like if some people, their gifting is to sing, some people have a gifting to do media or sound or whatever, and, and sometimes your gifting can change too because, you know, like for me, I haven't always been a pastor. Um, I, I was uh, involved in praise and worship for quite a while in the very early days, and, and I've also done children's ministry for a long time as well. So I haven't always been a pastor. So, uh, you know, God develops us as we go. But we do need to take that first step and say, Lord, I surrender and I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. And so, you know, it's really important that we realize that everybody's got different giftings and we're not all going to be the same. It says here in verse, uh, verse 21, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have need of you. Or the head to the feet, I don't have need of you. <laughs> then it says, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Okay, so what that means is that every single bit, no matter whether you think it's not even all that important, it's always important. It's always important. Every part that people play is important, and it is needed. So, so why is it important to be planted in a local church? First thing, I've got three points here, and I'm sure there could be more, but the first one is that we create synergy, which, is, which has a far-reaching and lasting impact. I'll explain what that means in a second. So 1 Corinthians 12, 24, it says, 
um, I'll just say, but, but God composed the body. Okay, God composed the body. Having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. Okay, so God composed the body. So the word composed in the original Greek means to mix together or to unite. So when God composed the body, he mixed the body together into a, listen to this, I love it. He mixed the body into a superior united whole where the individual parts of the body work together in synergy. So the meaning of synergy, if you don't know what that is, it's where, it's where the combined power of a group when working together is far greater than the total power you'd get by working individually. So as an example, and I was looking this up online, a draft horse, so the draft horses are horses that are really strong and they're used to pull things, okay? So a draft horse can pull three and a half thousand kg. Okay, so that's about the weight of a, a vehicle, like a, a car or an SUV or something. Okay, so they, but not with wheels on, as Gordon pointed out earlier. They wouldn't have wheels on it necessarily. A draft horse can pull, some, pull that dead weight, okay? Three and a half thousand kg. But do you know how many two draft horses can pull? It's more than that one and that one together would be 7,000. Do you know they can actually pull 14,000 kg? And that's what synergy is. And so when we work together as a, as a team, as a, as a united body that God has placed together, we can achieve so much more. We can uh, impact so much more. And so the Bible says it this way. It says, one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000. So if we can catch hold of that spiritual law and run with it, finding our place in the body and working in conjunction with those God's planted us with, that's going to create a synergy uh, where we will achieve so much more than we would have individually. So that's the first reason why it's important to be planted in a local church. The second one is we're going to flourish when we're planted and where we're supposed to be. And that scripture that I read out earlier, Psalm 92, 13, says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. What does it mean to flourish? It means to do extraordinarily well, right? It means to grow. Yeah. So that makes it clear that when we're planted, where our roots can go down in the house of the Lord, we will flourish because we're planted where God has placed us. And it's there that we're going to grow and mature and um, step into the calling that he's given us. Um, now, it's impossible to put down roots um, if you're not planted, okay? Okay. So if, if you're drifting from church to church, and I'm not talking about looking for another church, I'm just talking about, because there are ones who never commit to a church and they just go to one one week and then, they're, oh, that guy's preaching there that week, I'll go to that one, and so they, but they never really ever commit to a church. That's not putting your roots down, okay? But if you are planted in a church and put your roots down, then you're that's, that's being planted, okay? So that's really important. 
And that's where we'll flourish. And, and God um, can see our gifts um, just grow when, that, when we do that. And the third point is that we'll be properly equipped to do what he's called us to do. So I want to go back to that verse in Ephesians chapter 4. And as I said earlier, it said, um, verse 11 said, he, got, he himself, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And why has he done that? Why did he put those there? Verses 12 to 16 explains why, and I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. It says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Okay? That's why not everybody's called to be pastor, because you guys have got the more important job of, of doing the work of the ministry. Um, so our, our job is to equip you to do your work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Ever heard of that before? Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the others to other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So being planted in a church is important because that's where you're protected and fed and cared for and also corrected as well, actually. It says in the Bible, he who corrects, Oh, it says, he corrects those he loves. That's in Proverbs 3.12. So when we receive correction, and that's from God often, or it could be from his under-shepherd, the pastor, it doesn't come from a desire to punish or hurt. God never wants to do that. He does it because he loves us. It comes from a motivation of love. And if we're not accountable to a pastor, if we're not, if we're not accountable to somebody who's responsible spiritually from a spiritual perspective then it's easy to get off track and not realize it so that's a little bit dangerous and so that leads me into the next little thing that I wanted to mention it's the danger of disconnecting from the local church where you're planted sometimes when and I've seen this happen many times when people disconnect from church they begin to drift spiritually yeah so when we're not connected, we drift. Because I want you to think about this. It says in the Bible, God is our rock, is our anchor. And the local church acts like a physical representation of that anchor. So Jesus never intended for us to be like islands. He never intended for his body to be independent of each other. Um, and Romans 12, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about that in depth. And that's why he calls us one body. Um, we're not meant to be independent. And while, and it can be really good to listen to respected ministries from around the world. I do it myself. And I know you guys probably do too. But they can never be your pastor because you don't have a personal relationship with them. Um, and, and therefore you're, you're not accountable to them. 
and to be honest, they don't have to, they don't have to um, give account for you either because the pastor will have to give account for the souls of the people that they're placed in charge of. Um, however, when we are planted in a church and connected, our gifts and talents and resources work together and create that synergy that I mentioned before. So, um, another thing too that I wanted to mention just briefly though is that sometimes being comfortable is a big hindrance to God's, the furtherance of God's kingdom. Um, in Western nations, we've, we've got a life of comfort and ease, but that can be an Achilles heel, I think, for Christians. Uh, it can create weakness in our spiritual life and, and bring apathy as well. Um, do you know that people in some nations are willing to walk for a couple of hours to get to church? I think that's pretty amazing. Would you be willing to do that? <laughs> uh, two hours there, two hours home again. I think that's pretty impressive for somebody. It just shows the determination and love for God if somebody's willing to do that, don't you think? I think it's amazing. So how comfortable are we? Um, yes, our life is busy and, and, and things have been invented to make life easier, but do you know what we end up doing? Is filling that spare time that crea is created by that thing that makes our life easier with other stuff that makes our life busy. Hey, we do do that. And, uh, and so it, wouldn't it have been wonderful if we'd instead spent time with God? <laughs> Um, so what I want you to think about is just think about your priorities sometimes. It's important for us all to do that, and I, well, I like to do that too. It's really important that we get our priorities in the right order, and God should always be highest priority. Um, and there is an apathy that's crept over the body of Christ in Western nations, and uh, we need to shake that off actually. Matthew 16, 24 to 25 says, If any of you wants to be my follower, and this is Jesus speaking, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it, but if you give it up your life for my sake, you'll save it. So to deny ourselves means to say no to ourselves. Uh, do you agree we have a tendency for selfishness? Yeah? Yeah? I'm talking to myself as well. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but Jesus is saying to do the opposite. And isn't it interesting how God's way is often the opposite of man's way? But God's way is always better than man's way. It might not, it might not feel like it is initially, but when we do give it that go, we realize actually his way is way better than our way. So to deny ourselves means to say no to what we're wanting. Um, well, basically, it just means surrender. To take up our cross means to surrender to God, um, and it's and what it's saying it's surrendering our will. So it's saying, uh, Lord, it's not. I I really would like this, but it's not my will that's important. It's your will. That's what it really is. So we need to make sure we're saying, Lord, what it is that you want, and that comes down as well to church attendance as well. So. Um, planting, you know, being planted in a church, it's all, it, it's important that we ask God's will on that, okay? So we must, 
mustn't, it's so important that we don't hold on to our lives and our desires because if we release it, if we surrender to God, then we'll discover the fullness of what God has for us. And uh, one last thing I want to say before we finish is, you know, Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. And it's really interesting. I, I've, I've been thinking about this quite a lot. You know, Satan's determined to destroy anything that's God, that ha- has any sign of God. And that's why he attacks marriage so much. Um, marriage and the church are two things that God's ordained. And therefore, they're really important to him. Um, and marriage is important to God because when two people join together in marriage, they make a commitment in the sight of God and become one. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Okay. And there is honor in marriage, and it's a covenant between man, a man and a woman. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So, um, so marriage is really important. And there is a comparison between marriage and the church. In Ephesians 5, 25 to 26, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Isn't that interesting, eh? Satan, that's why Satan attacks marriage so much. That's why he has very quietly over a few decades made marriage appear like it's just a piece of paper, that it's not important, um, because he just wants to destroy that because he knows that the body of Christ is the, bro- is the bride of Christ. That's why. Yeah. So verse 27 of Ephesians 5 says that he, that's Jesus, might present it to himself. Actually, let me just go there. Uh, I'm going to read from verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So this is talking about husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So, you know, Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. We are the bride of Christ. And it says he's going to come back for a glorious church that doesn't have any spot or wrinkle, okay? In other words, holy and without blemish. Um, and, and 2 Corinthians 11.2 says, for I, am a jealous, I am, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So, so that, in that verse, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth and referring to that church as being the betrothed of Christ. So that's what we are. Um, Revelation 19.7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. So there is coming a time where Jesus is coming back for that glorious church. And that's what that's talking about. The wife making herself ready is that we are holy and without blemish. Glorious church. Um, 
So yeah, marriage and 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 the church are so important to God. Um, and you know, we're in covenant with God. We're in covenant with God. And and so I just wanted to encourage you to if if you I don't even know if this applies. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit leads us, isn't it? Obviously, this message is important for some of you because um, otherwise the Holy Spirit wouldn't have told me to say it, would he? Hey, it's logic, a little bit of logic there. Um, but I'm just going to finish. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you, God, that, you, um, that your son Jesus, the word of God, as it says in John, um, came to earth as a man to die on the cross for us, um, to... to spill his blood for us to uh, make a sacrifice for us so that we could be made right with you and i thank you god that your word has been put into written form lord so that we can read it over and over and over again and holy spirit that you can reveal more of it to us and make it alive to us um, uh, in in multiple ways father god i thank you lord for these people i pray I, i pray blessing and life over every person here now, if there is anybody that hasn't made a decision for, for Jesus, I just want to encourage you to do that and don't delay with that because, you know, Jesus died on the cross to make us right with God again. And our sin, and we've all made mistakes, and that's what sin is, separated us from God. But through what Jesus did, it made that, it sort of built that bridge again between us and God and made us right in his sight. And so if you've ever, if you have never made that decision for Jesus, I really encourage you to do that. Um, I might lead you in a prayer actually now, even if you're recommitting your life to God. Um, just say it like you really mean it because um, it's God looks at the heart. He doesn't listen to the words that come out of your mouth because sometimes they're meaningless. He's looking at your heart and he, he knows when you mean it and when you don't, Okay. So if that applies to you, I want everyone to pray this prayer, but if it applies to you, make sure you come and see either myself or Pastor Peter um, or one of the other leaders, okay? So everyone closing your eyes, I just want you to pray this. Dear, dear Lord, thank you that Jesus died for me and that you raised him from the dead to make me right with you. Thank you for sending Jesus to the earth to die on the cross and rise again, making that bridge between you and us. Yeah, thank you, God. And thank you, Father, for... I just want to, I just want to finish off that by just saying I thank you, Lord, that you've sealed that and made us part of uh, covenant partners with you, Lord. Um, so if, that, if you've prayed that for the first time, I want you to make sure that you come and see one of us. Um, I'm going to close the service now. Uh, we've had, yeah, I just, I just want to speak blessing over you and life. Don't forget River of Freedom this Friday night. Um, really, really encourage you to promote that on your social media uh, because it's important that we get the word out there. Um, there might be other opportunities maybe to have some Christian movies played perhaps at some point too, which would be fantastic. So um, just really encourage you. River of Freedom, it's a good, it's a really interesting documentary and it, uh, it brings a bit more balance to the um, Fire and Fury documentary that was made.